Welcome to episode eight of the Creators Honey podcast. Today I have with me Amanda Garacio from Studio Garacio. She is a brand and logo designer and she creates custom branding for entrepreneurs. Today we're going to talk a little bit about how she grew her business from freelancing to a full-on company and how that growth took place along with her networking tips and tricks. I'm so excited to have her with us. Amanda, could you introduce yourself? Hi, thank you, Sandra, for having me. So yeah, I run Studio Garacio. These days it is a branding and design firm. So I focus on branding for businesses. That is where I've kind of ended up as my niche in the last few years. I have been an independent designer for almost 15 years now. So I started in the freelancing world back in 2006, fresh out of college. I took a few freelance design gigs on the side just for some income while I was job hunting because I intended to get a full-time job at an agency or something. Uh, But then I liked how freelancing went so well. And I liked, you know, those projects went well and I liked working from home and all that kind of thing. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. And um, so I did without really a plan or anything, which is, is not the route I would recommend. <laughs> and so the last 15 years have been kind of me learning how to navigate the freelance world and then kind of transitioning from freelancer to business owner like I had to put on my my big girl business owner pants and and learn how to do some of the all the non-design things in my business so that's been been a journey over the last 15 years cool so tell us a little bit you said you don't recommend the route of just playing it by ear and going with the flow tell us how that looked for you what what was your experience how did you get clients if you were just you know kind of playing it by ear yeah so Back in the days, back in 2006, Craigslist was actually a pretty good source oh. of clients. So I either responded to posts on there or put my own posts out saying, hey, freelance designer available for work. And that was a big part of it. Like the internet looked a lot different back then than it does now. And there were not as many freelancers. Like it wasn't as much of a thing then. Okay. But I say not to jump into it like that without a plan as far as, you know, have some savings, have some financial cushion <laughs> and that kind of thing, because I did not have that. And I had to like get some credit cards in order to just like pay bills because I had, like, <laughs> did not have the income level for a long time. So that you'd be a little smarter on the finance side of it than, than I was if you're going to take that jump is, is my best advice probably. <laughs> I think that's great advice for anyone starting a business to at least have a little cushion before you jump Mm -hmm. off the ledge of (laughs) entrepreneurship. That's great advice. So it sounds like your business has evolved over the years. Um, (laughs) A little bit about that evolution, what it looked like and and what you do now exactly. Okay. So when I first started out, it was kind of like, you know, I'll do any kind of design you want. Like if you're going to pay me money, I'll do it because <laughs> you know, I, I need income. Uh-huh. Um, so I was very much kind of the freelance mindset, the order taker. Like I was basically just an employee that wasn't in the office for my clients. And over the years, it kind of evolved into, like I said, I put my business owner hat on. So I like legitimized my business, got the LLC and business accounts and, you know, set up as a separate entity for myself. And Now I like to look at it more as like partnerships with clients. Like I'm the expert they're coming to for help. And so I recommend directions. I recommend 
things rather than them just telling me, you know, oh, I want a logo with a leaf and this font, put it together, you know, it's like, well, no, we're going <laughs> to, it's a little bit different process than that. So, so my goal these days is definitely to help clients think strategically about their business and their branding and not just put things together on a whim. So that's involved, like that process of changing that was a lot of mindset work and a lot of boundaries in place with clients. Like I'm, I am not available at all hours and at the drop of the hat. Like I have set office hours. I don't work evenings or weekends. There are set number of revisions included. You know, it's not just free for all. So that has helped them too. That's super important. I think you touched on two important points. The first is legitimizing your business and making those accounts. I think a lot of people are scared of that because it's not necessarily all known how to do that, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's an easy, easier process than I think people think. And it's, it saves you a lot of time to have a business account and, and those different things separate from your yes. personal life. Yeah. And, and then to be able to set those boundaries as a business owner, I think is, is really important. And maybe, you know, in the beginning, you have to do it how you did it just to I figure mean, out yeah, you, boundaries you to do what you have to do to survive when you're just starting out. But like, what, what's that famous quote? I don't remember who said it once, you know, better, do better. <laughs> like, it's definitely been the motto of my journey, I think. There's different types of entrepreneurs and, and some are lifestyle entrepreneurs who are looking for that business that allows them to you know have that free time in the evenings and on the weekends like you said so that's super important that you know what kind of entrepreneur you want to be the kind yeah that and I'm not trying to, to level up or lifestyle <laughs> yeah I, I mean you can have both just because you have you know you True. want a certain lifestyle for yourself and set those limits doesn't mean you're going to limit your business but I will say since I had my daughter she's two and a half now since I had her that those boundaries have become much more important and I don't break them. Like that is my time with her. So great. That's, I think that's something that all moms would like to hear, (laughs) you know, that there's other business women out there setting those boundaries and they can have that special time with their family Mm -hmm. and, and also be running a business. So how did your, you, you said out of college, you started freelancing. How did, what, what was the moment where you thought this is going to be my business? This is how I can, <laughs> can survive and <laughs> have this oh. my career. What was I don't know it? if there was like a specific moment, but at the time I was dating a boy who was a freelance web developer. So he kind of gave me that push into the freelance world. Like he suggested I try out some freelance projects while I was job searching. And then he also brought me on as like a partner on some projects because he didn't do design at all. He was purely like the coding and the programming. So we partnered on a couple of projects. So between that and finding my own clients, I was like, okay, this could maybe work. So I kind of just, I don't know that I ever like stopped and said like, yes, I'm going to do this. I just kind of like went with it and I was like, oh, well, and at one point I just stopped looking for like an agency job. I don't, I don't remember like a clear, like, Mm-hmm. like this is when I decided to stop looking for something else but yeah. <laughs> well I think that's important because nowadays outside of former Craigslist searching for freelance jobs there's lots of sites like Fiverr and Upwork <sighs> where you can yeah. dip your toe in to the freelance world and maybe get experience that was kind of an interesting uh, yeah oh, my response <laughs> to that yeah <laughs> about that <laughs> oh my 
I don't know. I mean, I've heard a few like good stories from Fiverr and Upwork, but for the most part, I've heard not good stories. It's pretty much, especially in Fiverr, it's like a race to the bottom as far as like how much money you can charge because Fiverr, the person's going to go with whoever is charging the least amount of money. So that's like not a sustainable way to run your business. These days with so many freelancers and so much, I guess, saturation of the market and different sites like that, I find that networking is really the best way to find leads. Like for me, what does that look like? Yeah, for me specifically, it's finding people kind of in adjacent areas to what I do. So maybe like marketing or like SEO or, you know, Facebook ads or something, you know, kind of things that people also need that are running a business, but aren't exactly what I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then we kind of form referral partnerships. So like if I have a client that needs Facebook ads. I'm like, oh, I know somebody that does that and I send them their way. Or if they have a client that needs branding, you know, they send them my way. And ironically enough, I do work with agencies now, but as a contractor, my business is a contractor for them. So if they have overflow work or again, the same kind of situation, if they do marketing, but their client needs some branding and that's not what they do, they'll, they'll bring me on for that. So just kind of forming those kind of relationships has been super useful. And then also just like local, well, not even just local online groups too. You know, there's, there's one here in Austin called Austin freelance gigs and it's a Facebook group, but you know, when people know they need a freelancer, they'll go on there and post like, Hey, I need somebody to do this is this. And then you can find gigs that way too. So, and there are like other groups on Facebook that do that too, that aren't you know, specifically to Austin. Um, I'm sure there's probably one for every major city, really. But um, those are probably my two biggest thing, like referrals and then like networking groups like that. So for networking with those people that you find connections mm-hmm. with that are adjacent to your business, do you find those on LinkedIn? How have you connected with people or has it just... Yeah. Tell us how you connect with those type of yeah, people. It's a couple different ways. So sometimes, you know, I find somebody interesting on LinkedIn reach out to them and say, Hey, you just want to grab like a virtual coffee and chat. I mean, it's all very casual. It's not like, you know, I have like a list of like things to run them through or anything like that. So we hop on coffee and we talk and we get to know what the other one does and see if we vibe, if we serve the same sort of people, you know, how we might help one another. So LinkedIn is one way. Sometimes Instagram like so I've had a few people reach out to me on Instagram asking if we could grab coffee or something for the same thing. So that's cool. There's an online networking site called Lunch Club that I just started trying out. And it's like a an AI matches you with somebody to have like a Zoom call with based on like different parameters you set up. Like I'm interested in just meeting interesting people or in collaborations or, you know, whatever. And and these are my interests and that kind of thing. And it matches you with someone. And then you guys just hop on, you know, a video chat and talk for 45 minutes. I just started using this site. So I've only actually had one call like last week, but it was really interesting. And he is here in Austin and he's an entrepreneur. So we kind of just connected and talked shop like that. And so who like, it's all about like planting a bunch of seeds and then you know, you're not going to get something right away, but like down the road, it might, you know, grow into something. So that's kind of been my, my long-term plan, I guess. And I'm going to get more into the nitty gritty on this. Cause I'm, I'm not a good networker. <laughs> so, <laughs> with these, so you said you don't have a specific, you know, 
script or whatever for these meetings. But at the end, if you feel like you're vibing with the person and they would be maybe a good referral, do you just flat out ask them that? Or, or what's your, I mean, how do you jump from that phase of, oh, we're just having a virtual coffee to, um, oh, do you want to be like a referral partner? <laughs> how, do, how does that work? Yeah, well, actually, like when I, when I'm asking somebody, at least I say in that like initial invite to them, like through LinkedIn and mail or whatever it is, you know, look, I saw we were in, you know, adjacent fields and I just wanted to like hop on a virtual coffee to get to know you and see how we might help each other. So they, they know going into it that I'm looking to, for us to like help each other out. I I make it clear. It's not like, I'm not just looking for them to help me. I want to help them too. And most people are pretty open to that. So I think that's an important factor that it's not all about you. You're thinking about the other person too. That's, that's probably the key to networking right there. Yeah. And like, so for example, the, the guy I had the lunch club date with last week, you know, he's an entrepreneur and I didn't have anything like he's working on a bunch of very specific like app and tech projects, which I don't have like, he's not looking for like clients or anything like I can send to him like that. Mm-hmm. But he is looking to meet, you know, more people in the Austin area because he just moved here a few months ago. So I connected him with somebody that I know is like a master connector in Austin who is big into entrepreneurship, too. I sent like a, you know, introduction email between those two and hopefully they can take it from there. But like, you know, I didn't get in. That wasn't anything for me in the deal. I'm just trying to help him out. Yeah, I think having service at the you know center of your business in every aspect is is really important. And you never know later he could be like, oh, I know a brand designer for someone else. Yeah, who, so. who he could then connect you with. I mean, yeah. not that that should be your goal <laughs> necessarily. No, but. I mean, I mean, it isn't. It isn't like it's not. It'd be nice. Like I'm planting the seeds for it, but I'm not like that's not the only reason I'm reaching out to him. He was an interesting person to talk to too. So I was like, yeah. I I love connecting with people and hearing about what they're doing. So I'm definitely going to check out that site. How do you typically market your business? So now that you're more an official studio, how do you market your business? And you said you're working with agencies as well. How do Mm -hmm. you uh, market your business to agencies? And then also just the typical clients that you you all the agencies I've worked with have either been through referrals or through my outreach on LinkedIn so (laughs) like I said those are two big areas for me (laughs) otherwise I've been working on my social media game especially this past year so Instagram is a big one for me right now and I'm trying to ramp up LinkedIn to more like I've been on both of those platforms for a while but like I didn't really have like a content strategy or marketing strategy or anything with Instagram until probably summer of last year. So I've been more intentional and strategic with what I'm posting on places like that. And I I know it's a vanity metric, but I've seen my followers number double since I've started doing that. So that's incredible. Um, and I have gotten a client through Instagram as well. So that's kind of cool. So that's kind of where I'm focusing that um, as far as trying to get people to come to me, but I'm still doing a lot of the outreach to trying to connect with people and grow that network. So those are my main areas. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that networking is essential, but you've just showed us right there that it's not going to just be about your your social media network. Well, because even social media is networking. Like you still have to That's engage true. and connect with people. And it's just a different way. And like, I, I know I resisted the networking idea for a long time too, because I'm an introvert and like, like networking events 
like when we used to have them in person were like my nightmare. I'm like, I have to do these, but I don't want to do these. And so it's actually been kind of, uh, you know, silver lining to this whole pandemic thing is like, since everything's on zoom, I'm like, Oh, I can do that. I can just be in my house and network. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm on board with it. So I've actually done a lot more of it in this last year and it's really paid off. So. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of upsides to the pandemic in terms of growing a business and that's definitely one of them. And it expands your network to the whole world. You don't have to just focus on your city network. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like us, we're in different cities right now. We connected exactly. on a Facebook group. So. <laughs> exactly. It's so great. I, I think that's definitely a plus side to the pandemic is us discovering this whole virtual world that at least I wasn't as tuned into before the pandemic. So. Oh, I did want to say one other thing, too, that made me think of this. I don't know why I didn't originally think of this, but as far as marketing thing, I'm trying to do more things like be guests on podcasts. So that is part of my marketing efforts, too. (laughs) Yeah, I think being able to have the courage to shout what you're doing to the rooftops and everywhere you are is, is really important for starting a business and being a business owner. You have to be confident in what you're selling and what you're providing and if you're willing to do, you know, interviews about your business and and those networking opportunities and telling pe- being confident and telling people about your business is is really important. That's great. It, it's good practice on that, like talking about it and being confident, presenting yourself, and also just like the visibility. Like, well, who, I don't remember who told me this, but like nobody can buy from you if they don't know you exist, <laughs> right? <laughs> so <laughs> you have to actually put yourself out there. So. various ways to do that (laughs) yeah that's the truest statement ever (laughs) and and it's not like you don't need the biggest following for people to buy from you but as long as you're constantly making that effort to to be visible it's Mm -hmm. really important where do you want to go from here so you've evolved already so much what's what are your next steps to growing your business or do you like where you're at I, I like some of where I'm at. I don't have any ambitions to be like an actual like brick and mortar studio with like employees or anything like that. It is not, I don't want to have to manage people. That is not my, <laughs> my personality or my strong suit. I'm going to be a one woman shop probably, but I would like to grow Studio Gracio as far as my income level mm-hmm. and my reach. So I'm looking at starting some like passive products, like some eBooks. Mm-hmm. I'm working on with a business coach on like, my my service offering, my packages and my pricing to kind of retweak those a little bit. Mostly just like, yeah, just growing basically. <laughs> Tell us about your business coach. I did not, I was not familiar with this whole business coaching world until about a year ago. And I'm fascinated by it because I think as a business owner, we're always trying to learn and grow. And so at what point did you decide to get a business coach and how is that? helped you? Uh, Yeah. So I just, this is a more recent thing. So I got my first business coach just this past October and we're, we're in the last few weeks of our contract together right now. So I just needed a a push really to, to show up and to promote myself (laughs) because that doesn't come naturally to me. So like her background is sales and marketing, which is what I needed help with. So, you know, she kind of helped me walk through like how to, different ways to promote things. She pushes me to try new things and new avenues. And like, then we like 
you know, we meet and review, did this, did this work? Like, how did that work? Or, you know, where are most of your clients coming from? Or, you know, how many leads are you talking to each week? You know, all that kind of like stuff, which I had never really sat down and looked at before. Um, so she's been really useful in that regard. I also am part of a group coaching program specifically for designers. And that one's interesting because it is specific to my field and like the problems we come up with as far as, you know, people on for something like branding, which is what I do. It's really hard to put like an ROI on it, like the return on investment as far as a number, because there's not a direct correlation. You know, it's not like get new branding and you'll get, you know, 50 K sales or something like that. So just kind of working through different ways on how to present the value of what I do when it isn't like a clear cut quantifiable thing like that has been really useful to just giving me some new things to think about and, and try out. Like I just had a, a sales call today where I tried out some of the tips that I got from the design group coaching program and it went really, really well. I'm actually really excited about it. I'm going to send the proposal later today and hopefully sign a new client. So what are, just, what are some of the things that how like, cause there's a lot of fields I feel like that you can't necessarily correlate an ROI with what you're offering. What are, what are some ideas for how to do that? So the approach that I, that I was working on that I tried today, was you really ask the client about what their goals are and their vision for their business. And then kind of ask them if we do this project together, what will success look like for you on the other side of it? Like how will we know this project succeeded? And that kind of gets them to think about like the transformation and how it will help them. And then they realize that's valuable. And so then there's less sticker shock, I guess, when you charge what you think you're worth. <laughs> and that's that proved true for me today too. So that's fantastic. I think expectations are a huge part of client work. Managing those is, is really crucial. And if you're not aware of what their expect, those questions you said, I feel like make clear all their expectations, what they're wanting out of, out of your contract with each other and I think it it's really crucial when you're working with clients to make that apparent for them and you because sometimes they don't even know without you asking yeah it helps guys. yeah for sure yeah, so and then too like you do all of those questions before you ever talk numbers because you want them to start thinking about the value stuff before they have a number in their mind because if they hear the number first they're just kind of going to you know, they haven't thought about the value or their goals or anything yet. So they might just be like, oh, that's too much. Whereas if you do the same number later, that might be fine. Like they'll realize, you know, it's, it's a whole like sales psychology setup thing. It's just, it's not my natural area, but I'm working on it. <laughs> well, I think a lot of us, that doesn't come naturally to me as well. And it's, it's really awesome that you've, put yourself in groups and with coaches that can help bring that out in you. And I think it's important to identify those things as an entrepreneur that you're, you know, you struggle with a little bit and then seek either yes. hire someone to help you with that or do it yourself, but get education on how to do it well. Yes. Um, Outsource or get some help. Yes, absolutely. So what's your favorite aspect of, of being a business owner? I just like being able to, able to determine my own day, you know, like I don't like being subject to somebody else's schedule. <laughs> I like being able to say no to clients or projects that I don't want to work with instead of just having, you know, a boss hand them to me and 
have to do it no matter what. So I think just that kind of the independence factor, I guess, is what it boils down to. I think that's the dream of entrepreneurship is being able to to dictate your own schedule and your own work. (laughs) Yes. Not to say that you don't do things you don't necessarily like to do, because I think you mentioned earlier, you had to put on your business owner pants. Yeah, I mean, there are aspects of a business that outside of the design work that I do that I still have to attend to because it is a business, but I'm deciding to do that and I'm steering the business in the direction I want. So it helps to think of that. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, I have to do this if I want my business to do this. So So for other women who might be wanting to pursue a career like yours, what advice would you give them? Have a plan. (laughs) The biggest thing. Even if, you know, it doesn't have to be like a you know 20 page business plan or anything like that, but just, you know, decide what kind of business formation you're going to have, get separate business accounts, you know, make sure you have whatever, you know, sales tax licenses or whatever permits you need, have an idea of what you're going to offer and who you want to offer it to. And everybody is not a target market, <laughs> a little more specific <laughs> than that. And then have a plan for how you're going to talk to these people, like decide, you know, you don't have to be on all of the platforms. You can think just one or two where you think those ideal people you want to work with are hanging out and you can find them there and focus your time on those. Um, I think just like those couple of things will help so much. (laughs) Sure. And I think there's a lot of resources out there in every city for especially women trying to start businesses. I think there's a special programs. I know here in Salt Lake, there's the Women's Business Center. Every city has something I feel like that you can find to help you if you're not necessarily sure um, how to navigate some of those things, like like legitimizing your business as one of those things. But I've worked here with the Women's Business Center and, and they've, they've helped me with some things and that's been awesome. So awesome. Uh, I feel like don't let all those things scare you off. And and like you said, yeah. the, the one or two platforms, you don't need to, I mean, Clubhouse is this new platform and I feel like it's just another one. I can't. That's it. my reaction too. When it first came up, I was like, oh God, there's another thing I have to do. I reserved my username on it. So I'm technically on there, but like I haven't even like joined a room. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's a lot. If you start to get overwhelmed with those things and start imagining that you need to be on every platform, it can you don't really no overwhelming really quick and so I liked that you pointed out just doing one or two <laughs> that's that's important. and you can you know you can focus on those one or two for like one month or three months or whatever and then maybe switch to a new one just to see what works better for you like nothing is set in stone that's the other beautiful part about running your own business you can change it up anytime you want <laughs> like, if I something isn't that. working for you you can change it uh-huh. I I am one of those people who sometimes gets stuck in the no, I have to do this. I have to do it this way, but you can change any aspect of anything. And it's, I think it's important to, as an entrepreneur, just trying out different, different things because what you think works might not be what works. And then if you try something, maybe you weren't willing to, it could really expand your business. Well, yeah. Like I was so reluctant to do like video interviews or podcasts or something like before I just did my first one in December. And I really, really liked it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Like, oh, this is the thing I could do. And I'd be okay with this. So yeah, you gotta just try things to see what you like and what you don't and what works and what doesn't. 
yeah, it's so important to dip your toe into areas where you're not comfortable necessarily. <laughs> and there's there's a difference between forcing yourself to do something that's not a good fit for you that is inauthentic and making yourself try something new to see if it works. So yes, absolutely. Just be aware of that difference too. <laughs> yeah, I love that you pointed that out because the moment we lose our authenticity, the moment that's the moment our business just becomes impossible to run. I think yeah. you're, you're what makes your business unique and you're the, you're the offering that, that no one can copy. <laughs> and so yeah. like, you're never going to see me on TikTok, even though it's like a really popular, <laughs> it's not like, I'm not going to be dancing on video for anybody <laughs> ever. <laughs> so. Hey, okay. I love that. That's okay. And yeah, it's totally okay. It's just not me. Yeah, you can tap into your audience elsewhere. And I think a lot of people are afraid of showing their face and, and different things like that. But I have to get over that. That was that was one of those things that I had to force myself to try, not because it was inauthentic, just because I was scared of it. Right. Um, and now like I'm on, you know, I do video stories on Instagram and share photos of myself. And sure. it's, it, it's a lot easier as you do it more. Yeah. And you just pointed out the key to determining if you should do it. Is it fear or is it, you know, is it it's against yeah. who you are? <laughs> so I, I think asking yourself that question when you don't want to do something is important. So that's, that's a good point. What are yeah, some, does it feel wrong or does it feel scary? That's, yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what are some resources that have helped you along the way throughout your career? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a couple that you like for when I started to get serious about making sure every client signs contracts, which you should do that. I used a platform called Bonsai and they have uh, lawyer approved and reviewed contracts that you can use and just plug your info into such so great. And it's like a low monthly fee. It's like 10 bucks. Well, they price might've gone up by now, but you know, it's, it's a monthly fee to use their service, but you can run, you can run like your proposals and your contracts and like invoices and everything through there. And just having, even if you don't end up using bonsai, like having some sort of central system for all of that, where you can keep track of things. Yeah. <laughs> really good. That one was good just cause I didn't want to have to like find a lawyer and hire a lawyer to like write this contract from scratch. And like, and they had like ones already ready to go and they're geared towards freelancers. So they had one specific for designers and was like, perfect. This is what I need. Other than that, yeah, just like local groups, local groups have been a big thing. So I mentioned the Austin freelance gigs here, um, Facebook group. That's a big one. And then there's, you know, you know, women communicators of Austin, freelance Austin, like just local groups that are, you know, freelance based or business owner based or something like that, because, they offer, you know, resources like, for example, the Freelance Austin groups, they have monthly meetings where it's part networking and part like presentation from a guest expert. So you get to learn stuff and meet people, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of groups too have like mentorship programs that you can sign up for either as a mentor or a mentee. I didn't know that early on in my career, so I never actually had a mentor, but now I'm a mentor for four other people right now, which is cool. Yeah, just Google. Google's a big one if you don't know how to do something, yeah. Google it. <laughs> that's, I mean, that really is the key because, like, you mentioned Bonsai, and we know there's a million other platforms you could also use. And so, if you know what you need, 
Google it because someone has probably already thought of a solution. Like you said, you didn't want to hire a lawyer. <laughs> right. But yeah, I didn't. So. A million other business owners also didn't want that. So people created these systems. So I think if you're struggling in your business and you're, there's something that's getting you stuck, just Google it, like you said. And I'm sure if I Googled like, oh, pre-made contracts or something, bonsai would come up. Uh, or- bonsai would come up and there's like uh, the legal loft, the contract. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of different ones now. It's kind of nice because now, the, since freelancing is such a dominant thing now, there are a lot more resources for it than when I started out, which is awesome. <laughs> in some ways, people starting out now are in a better better position than I was trying to put all that together. For sure. But that says something about you that you had the grit to do it. When, when yeah, it we'll call it option. grit and not stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, what are key activities you think an entrepreneur should invest their time in when they're first starting out specifically in maybe your career? Cause I think there's some time wasting things that can, you can get sidetracked with. So where do you recommend people spend most of their time? Yeah, probably um, obviously serving the clients you actually have, like they should be your first priority. Keeping on top of, you know, the business side of your things as far as like, you know, quarterly sales tax filings, uh, whatever else is required to, for your state. For Texas, we have quarterly sales tax and then I have a yearly uh, public report thing I have to file. Um, so stuff like that, just, and then outreach and networking. I mean, that's really, how, whichever venue you use to try to do that, that's probably the biggest thing. So who has been your business, biggest business inspiration? If you have somebody who's really inspired you, who would that be? I don't know if I have anybody like specific. I mean, I admire a lot of business people. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a difference between admiration and inspiration. People I admire um, that are kind of also in the freelance world would be like Paul Jarvis, Morgan Rapp, people kind of in the brand world would be Chris Doe, Melinda Livesey. I'm totally blanking now, of course. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like when you get put on the spot, like what's your favorite book? And you forget all the yeah, books you've ever book. read. <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, that's great. I think that's great. I just wanted to give our listeners something to look up if they're, if they're looking for some business inspiration. I've, I've, over the interviews I've done, I've found some inspiring things just based on recommendations. So that's what that question is for. But is there anything you would like to add to close out the interview? Well, yes. If anybody listening is kind of, you're, you're making that leap, you've got your business started and you you want to be a little bit more intentional about how you grow it or form it. I do offer a package called the clarity package, which is a brand exploration and audit. So we dive deep into like what you want your business to be as far as, you know, your core values, the personality you want to give off the audience you want to serve, what makes you unique, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I look at your current materials as far as what you're using for your branding and kind of assess if that's saying what you want it to say. And then I put that all together in a report and make recommendations on what, what might need to change. So people I've worked with on the past on this have said it's a really useful first step for getting their branding in order because it gives them like a clear roadmap of where to go. So if that sounds like something you're interested in and you're listening, reach out to me. It's called my Clarity Package. Awesome. And where, where can our listeners find you? What's your website and your handles on Instagram and anywhere else you might have? Yeah, so my website is just 
studiograssio.com. It's G-U-E-R-A-S-S-I-O. And my handles everywhere is Studio Garasio as well. Um, I'm most active on Instagram and then a little bit less LinkedIn. So those are my two. Perfect. We'll have those linked in the show notes for anyone. <laughs> in case you don't want to have to try to spell it out on your own. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all your tips. I know I'm going to take some of these networking ideas with me for sure. And I really liked what you had to say about working with clients and, and how you can, you can create those expectations and boundaries with clients. So thank you so much for joining us today. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. What a fantastic episode with Amanda. I learned so much about networking. So let's get into my biggest takeaways. First, I really liked how she talked about setting boundaries for yourself, making sure that you know what schedule you want to be working, what functions with your finances, as well as your lifestyle preferences, and make sure to set up client expectations so they know what your limitations are in terms of your schedule. I also like that she talked a lot about legitimizing your business and making sure that you have the LLC or the right paperwork, contracts, whatever it is to set up your business, bank accounts, all those things that you do that early on so that you are secure in the way you've set things up and you don't have to backtrack. Networking was a huge thing throughout the episode that I really enjoyed talking to Amanda about, and I really liked that networking has helped her expand her business, and she talked a lot about joining groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and connecting with people on platforms like Lunch Club for virtual coffee dates. The thing I really liked was how she talked about finding people in businesses adjacent to yours to see how you can help each other and potentially offer a referral system, uh, referring clients to each other so that you have a built-in system when they don't offer a specific service, but you do, you can refer each other back and forth to different clients. Finally, I liked that she talked a lot about having a plan. Find some cushion money before you leave your day job or jump into the freelance lifestyle and prepare with a business plan and know your business trajectory. You don't have to have it all together, but take some steps to prepare yourself for leaping into that uh, industry of freelance or even just design so that you can feel comfortable and set up for the future. It was so fun speaking with Amanda. I'm so happy to have had her on the show and I hope you look forward to future interviews. We have really great ones coming up and thank you so much for listening to the Creators Honey podcast.